This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The world of social media has impacted so many of our lives, and in some cases, you will see more connections between coworkers from the office as well as sometimes even with their bosses. A recent study looks at why these connections are happening and are they blurring the lines between work and personal life. Nancy Rothbard is Deputy Dean and Management Professor with the Wharton School. She was part of the team of experts looking at this. She joins us now with more. Nancy, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Glad to join. Thank you. And so take us in, I guess, as to the importance of, of looking at this, because it's it's a very interesting element, which I think it's sometimes people say, why would you want to connect with your bosses anyway because of this quote-unquote blurring? Absolutely. This is, this is what got us interested in this question. There's really, I think, a tension that people have between, you know, this, this exhortation to bring your whole self to work, to connect, to be a part of things, but also to keep a separation between your personal and your professional lives. And um, a lot of times people have a dilemma when they're asked to connect with their coworkers online, um, just as when we, we used to sort of have a question of, oh, do I go for informal drinks after work? This is a different kind of online version of that and an online dilemma. So is, is this something that in general is increasing in activity, the numbers of people that maybe are connecting with their boss in a, in, in a personal manner? Absolutely. One of the first studies that we did in this in this whole research um, program that we pursued was a study that looked at a nationally representative sample, and it found that 66% of people who had uh, social media were connected with colleagues uh, in their workplace. Joined by Nancy Rothbard of the Wharton School. How much do people then believe that boundaries are being blurred if you're connecting with a boss on a social platform? So that was that was the second question we asked is, does, does connecting with colleagues on a platform like Facebook, um, which has uh, a lot of personal as well as professional connections, does that constitute uh, blurring of the boundary? And what we found was that, in fact, it was equivalent to talking about your personal life during work hours or going to uh, company-initiated social events um, like drinks after work or, or what have you. Um, what, it, what it was different from was things like attending a work group or team meeting or attending a professional development seminar or posting to something like Slack, you know, the company intranet, uh, or right. any other kind of work-related online discussion forum. You also uh, noted in there uh, the uh, the component of, of having either a male or female boss and, and how that may play a role in terms of that connection. Absolutely. I think that people in general were leery of connecting with their bosses. They were more uncomfortable connecting with a boss than with a peer. Um, uh, they were also, by the way, somewhat uncomfortable connecting with subordinates. So that, that, that hierarchical distinction was sort of a bright line that people worried about crossing, although there was more concern about connecting with a boss. However, there was also a, sorry. No, go ahead, Nancy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. There was also a distinction between male and female bosses, as you asked initially, uh, Dan, um, where 
people were the most concerned about connecting with male bosses. We actually had some qualitative data as well as quantitative data. And in the qualitative data, um, you know, we had this, these quotes, you know, I, about connecting with a male boss. I felt from a male participant who stated, I felt uncomfortable and uneasy. I was hesitant to accept it. He wanted to keep up with my life. And a female participant in referring to a male boss friending her said, honestly, I thought it was creepy. Even though I think he was yeah. just trying to be friendly, I just wasn't comfortable with he, seeing him seeing photos of me out with my friends and not in my work attire. Right. So there's this real discomfort with the the um, the, the male boss connection. Yeah. It- it sounds a little bit like, you know, you've had these kind of historical norms or beliefs about the relationships you have or don't have in the office. And whether it's because of kind of the cultural component we have now or or something else that maybe there was kind of a, a push to to see if there's a change available here. And maybe some people are comfortable with it and others are not. Absolutely. There is definite variance on this, um, but on average, we find this effect that, that I just described for you. And we then replicated this in several quantitative laboratory experiments where we established both people's feelings of discomfort. They, they, were, they said they would be less likely to friend, um, you know, uh, a, a male boss. They also were less likely to friend a female boss who didn't conform to gender role expectations. So a female boss who didn't disclose personal things about herself was really right. equivalent to a male boss. And so uh, it was only the female bosses who were more warm and forthcoming about their personal lives that people felt a little less concerned about connecting with them. Um, and then we replicated this in, in also showing that who people were actually connected to, and we found the same pattern. Yeah, you note is something interesting. If I can go back a second there, because you know not every person is going to be the same in terms of how they feel about talking about their personal lives, about disclosing some of the things that are going on in their life. And really, this is a situation that that the really kind of if you get you get very important data depending on the person's kind of mindset around disclosing these types of items. Absolutely, and and people feel more comfortable with those who choose to disclose something about themselves. The reciprocity um, of, you know, opening yourself up and making yourself and humanizing yourself and, and showing something personal about you makes other people less concerned about sharing something that is in their personal life with you. Right. And so there's that, there's that um, virtuous cycle that can emerge but I think that that is counter-normative for many in, in terms of what their expectations are of how they are supposed to behave in the workplace. And so there's a, there's a tension that arises. Right. And I think we were, we were kind of going into it. Well, we're kind of in it already, but in a new kind of realm of the office dynamic to begin with, with the impact of social media just in general and how it plays a role at some point now in companies determining whether to hire somebody depending on what they have on their social profile to begin with. Absolutely. There's been, you know, people know typically that, that employers do look at social media profiles. And so having um, have what you're disclosing on that 
on that mo- on that on that uh, that site really can have implications for their view of you because it's unfiltered and it's and they don't have context to put it in and it's not tailored content that you might change in terms of how you express something depending on who you're talking with and so it's a very uh, out of context and people employers are really paying attention to it so you have to really be careful about disclosing some things uh, so that you're seen as more human and and relatable but but perhaps not disclosing things that are uh, TMI too much information what do you think this means then for the companies themselves in terms of how they approach these issues and, and, and maybe the policies that they do or do not put in place? I think that um, there is a real challenge for many uh, employers in this respect because there is such a variance in terms of what people want and how they want to relate to others. But I think that the, the thing to keep in mind is that we really need to have an understanding that sharing information do, it, online does represent some vulnerability and that it has to be managed with care and educating employees about this is, is really critical. I also think it's important for um, employers to ed- be aware of and educate employees uh, as well as managers about the stereotypes that we have about what people post. Um, and, and that those, there are some potential misattributions that we might be making about people because of that. Do you think that it, while this, you know, it ends up being company policy, it's something that, you know, needs to be reinforced, whatever the policy may be, reinforced on, on, on how you approach it uh, at the manager level or at the division level, you know, not exactly all the way to the top, but a little bit further down the food chain. Absolutely. I think that it's really critical at the, at the direct line manager level as well, right? Because those are where the impressions, um, you know, get formed and fed. And so having it not just be at the top, but all the way through the layers of the organization is critical, um, an understanding, right, of, of these of these uh, factors. And I, and I think that the other piece to this is that with remote work and, you know, what many of us have experienced over the last two and a half years with um, a lot of um, a lot of work from home, that's where there's a lot of assumptions that people are making about disclosure or lack thereof around the personal mm-hmm. life, right? So the people who have their Zoom screens, um, you know, off during a meeting. Um, we're making assumptions about the lack of personal information, but we're also then making judgments about, you know, a messy background or a kid yeah. walking through the back of the room. And so, so it's, we, we have to be really aware that we're, we're these virtual sight lines we have into people's private lives that have been really enhanced both in terms of social media, but also in terms of the the technological um, connection we have uh, with remote work, has well, really changed these things trem- tremendously. Yeah, and and I think to a degree, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nancy, but with the dynamic of so much virtual work, it is different. Even though you are seeing somebody 
on a screen and you can see them face to face, that it's different than being in the office where you may run into somebody in the hallway or going to get a cup of coffee or a glass of water or something like that. That dynamic has just changed, you know, for for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And I, and I think that what I would say is most important is that we educate people in terms of respecting different preferences around disclosure versus non-disclosure of personal information. And so to, to understand that people have these different preferences for a reason and that it doesn't necessarily, um, that we don't jump to conclusions about what it means. Right, right. And that's the, and that's the challenge as we move forward because unfortunately it is in our nature that we will look for reasoning that maybe is not there sometimes. Absolutely. We, we jump to the conclusions. We try to make sense of things. And we often jump to the wrong conclusion. And so we have to be really, I think, cautious about doing so, especially given that it's been a somewhat forced uh, default blurring of those boundaries that many people would not have chosen um, if they could have. Nancy, great to talk with you. Thanks very much. Thank you, Dan. You got it. Nancy Rothbard, Deputy Dean and Management Professor at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.